Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the boards. This is the newest show on the channel with myself and Kirk Evans. It's the second week that we are doing this show after a successful first week covering the NBA. We definitely have a lot more games to work with for today's show, so we should have some great insight and analysis to provide. And of course, the James Harden trade happened this week. The Los Angeles Clippers are going to look completely different. The Philadelphia 76ers are going to look exactly the same, except we're going to have a bit more assurance as to the role of a player like Tyrese Maxey. So we're going to be talking Clippers. Specifically, don't want to react to the trade. We've already done that. You've already seen those. We want to talk about what the new look Clippers are going to look like and how some Western Conference foes may look to stop them come a playoff series. We're going to talk about Tyrese Maxey's leap, talk about the sustainability. I don't think he can sustain what he's doing now, but how sustainable is it? We'll also talk the Bucks after their beat down against the Toronto Raptors. They lost by 19 points. Their defense is the second worst in the NBA. And we'll talk some betting as well. Kirk Evans, it's been a week and a half, basically, of NBA action. How has the season been for you so far? The season's been great. Uh, I don't know if I've seen the sun very much in the past week and a half, but, you know, gr grinding, grinding, but it's been fun. It's, 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 you know, already a superstar trade a week and a half in. You know, already the, the favorites coming in are, are unraveling a little bit. So it's, it's been interesting for sure. Yeah, there's been some some surprising success, of course, as you can see. I mean, early in the season, there's going to be high variance. Some teams surprisingly can be near the top. Some teams like the Bucks can be surprisingly struggling despite their two and two record. The Miami Heat in particular, one and four. That's a team of surprise. But we had the superstar trade, as you mentioned. Let's talk about the Clippers. So like I said, Everybody's talked about the trade. Everybody's heard about the trade, but let's actually dive deep into the Clippers and what this lineup might actually look like. I wanted to get your opinions. Kind of, first of all, what do you think is the best way to maximize Harden in terms of his role with this team? Obviously, like they're paying a lot. They're going to start him, but what does that on-court role look like playing next to Kawhi and PG? For sure. So I think they're going to... And and the Sixers kind of were the first team to do this, but but now the Clippers are going to have to really even double down on making sure Harden is willing to take catch and shoot jumpers. He pretty much didn't do that at all for the first ten years of his career, um, and I just don't think it's going to work if he has the ball in his hands, you know, the entire game, dribbling there out of the ball. Kawhi, PG are really good. Russ has been fine, and if Russ is playing with them. He's pretty much going to have to be on ball because he's the one real non-shooter of the group. And there's going to be plenty of space. So if he can, you know, really up that catch-and-shoot game, get up a lot of threes, this offense is going to be very good, very good. But, you know, if, if he's more classic Harden on the ball, taking a ton of step backs, you know, I'm not quite sure that that will elevate them to the level they, they want to be. You mentioned Russell Westbrook. I kind of just assumed you'd be on board with Russ coming off the bench for the for the reason you kind of outlined there. Do you think Russ's role will still be starting five? Um, no, I think he'll probably come off the bench, but they're going to play together a lot. This team, you know, who who is going to start? Norm Powell, you know, it's, again, a really good offensive lineup. Maybe Terrence Mann. They kept him yeah. in the trade. He hasn't played I think yet that's this season. Where they go. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he, he actually fits pretty well there as well. You know, the starting lineup doesn't matter too much. They're going to play together a lot, Russ and James. They both like the ball. Russ's usage is, is way down this season, which is a good sign. 
Um, I think that, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how willing Harding is to kind of change his game. He changed his game in Brooklyn, became very much a facilitator, which he's an amazing passer. He was definitely a facilitator last year as well. But I think he's just got to be willing to be off ball more than he's been pretty much for the rest of his career. So so where do you think those on-ball reps lie? Obviously, Kawhi wants the ball a lot. But Harden, I mean, really the Clippers have been lacking this pick-and-roll threat, this creator. They have an exceptional one in Harden. Like, don't get it twisted on Harden. This guy, I think, should have been an all-star last year, was an injury replacement if he returned Adam Silver's phone call, uh, <laughs> which, which didn't. I think he had a chance to make All-NBA. I, I didn't think he should have made it, but I think he was in the conversation for sure. Was top? I think he, I think he finished top two in, in assists in the league with Tyrese Halliburton. Not Tyrese, but nonetheless, an excellent playmaker out of the pick and roll with a pick and roll monster in Joel Embiid. But back to my question: Where do you think the burden of the ball handling duties lie? Then, primarily, do you think it does go to Kawhi? Yeah. Well, Paul George has been great off the ball for a bunch of stretches in his career, specifically in OKC with. Uh, Russ when he was like third in MVP voting that one year. Yeah, Kawhi is awesome off the ball. It'll be an interesting fit as well because thinking back, I can't really think of Kawhi ever playing with a real pick and roll dominant player. The closest I guess would be Tony Parker or Kyle Lowry or yeah. very different players than Harden. I, I'd but- like in Lowry there because Lowry's Lowry has the ability like you can't go under screens if you he'll he'll just come out of pick and roll and shoot immediately from three. I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, f- fair enough, but but Lowry's just been off ball a lot more in his career than yeah, yeah. Harden ever has been. But you know, think about it logically. Kawhi should be pretty incredible off the ball. He's an amazing shooter. He'll attack closeouts. I don't know how much he's you know really a, a catch and drive type of player. But I think it'll take some getting used to, but this team has a lot of offense, a lot of offense. I think regular season they're going to be really good because Zubach, Kawhi, and PG should be able to get you there defensively. And, and this team with Kawhi on the court has pretty much always been a juggernaut offensively. I actually don't think that gets talked about enough. So it's hard to imagine adding Harden doesn't help. To me, the questions are kind of more when it comes to the playoffs, you know, what – can Harden be, but they, they really didn't give up anyone and they were already really good. So I think pretty clearly they're a tier below the top four teams for me, but I think I'd be willing to say they're, they're in a tier of themselves. Like, yes, I would put that below Phoenix, below Denver, still below NBA, not the West. Top four in the NBA. Top four in the NBA. Boston, Uh, including Boston, including Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. I would put them in terms of NBA. I put them, Fifth in the pecking order right now for for playoff equity, I think I think it could work. And you know you kind of need high upside, especially to beat a team like Boston. So it's a high upside swing, maybe a little uh, pricey on the picks, but it'll be interesting to see. And, and Kawhi and PG are great players to have a ball dominant guy next to. But the question is, does it make more sense to have Harden with the ball in his hands than Kawhi than PG? But if they can find a nice medium, I think it'll work quite well. Yeah, I I agree there. Uh, in terms of sportsbook odds, LA Clippers are fifth. They are behind. Um, they're behind the four teams that you mentioned there. Regardless, if you think like they're better than Milwaukee in terms of like betting, 
Milwaukee have the easier road to the NBA Finals, so they're them and Boston have the shortest odds. So uh, they're likeliest to win in that sense an NBA championship. So that's why the Clippers are positioned where they are there. We will discuss matchup wise, like how they can line up with Denver and Phoenix. I think that would be interesting. But uh, another comment here from Phoenix: Harden will create some advantage on balls. Well. Yeah, definitely going to see that. But as you were saying, he's got to play more off ball. So statistically, some of the catch and shoot numbers here. So last season with Philly, he took 1.8 catch and shoot threes a game. That's not a lot, but that's a lot for Harden because he didn't even take one catch and shoot three per game <laughs> in his time with Houston. So yeah, exactly. I think that the like the fit Harden's got all the ability in the world to fit next to Kawhi and PG, and this is perfect. Like PG, I think he'll be okay with being a bit more off ball as you said he done in the past. I like that point playing with Russell Westbrook where he was third in MVP voting. That that definitely doesn't get talked about enough PG season in OKC. But I know like you don't really have the answer to this, but is Harden going to play that role? Is Harden going to be okay playing this sort of role? That's the bigger question. I think I, I'd say it's 50-50. <laughs> like, I, I think it, it's possible. He has been willing to adapt. And yeah, they had Maxi last year, but it's not really like he was, they had that much ball handling. Maxi's not so much of a pick and roll operator. Maybe he will be no Harden. So, We'll see. I, I think I think in the regular season, it's, it's definitely going to work. And, and one other thing I'll add is I think that teams being more malleable is super important in the NBA and doesn't get talked about enough. They can play Zubach when they play a team like Denver. And they, they ran out that small ball last night against the Lakers. Like they, they had P.J. Tucker at center playing his first game. You know, I tweeted out last night, Westbrook – Harden, Kawhi, PG, Tucker as a lineup is – I don't know if Westbrook makes the most sense in that lineup, but it's kind of a hilarious version of that tiny Houston team from the bubble. Like, that, those are interesting lineups. Against, yeah. against a team like Phoenix, that lineup could work very well. I think you got to go – It's a team like Golden State as well. You got to go Norm instead of Russ, I think, at that lineup. Norm Powell, I, I agree. very much but- – underrated I, like he's, he, this guy is a just quantified score he's he just scores every totally agree. russ as much as you know people hate on russ and and i definitely was leading that bandwagon when he was on the lakers russ still can can really put pressure on the rim which is super important in five out lineups like you True. need someone who can, who can start the bend and then once teams get scrambled then you're kind of in oh wow we've got shooters everywhere everything can happen and then PJ Tucker is PJ Tucker still good? I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, is it feasible to have a guy in a lineup who shoots one time a game? You know, like he can hit corner threes. We'll get a lot of wide open corner threes here. But you know, he's so weird, isn't he? Like, there's something about a guy who can go 36 minutes, not score a single point take one shot and be the best plus minus on the floor. Cause in a lot of time, a lot of times with the bucks, that was the case for him. So it was just like, what does he actually do? Well, clearly we, like we don't, you don't know by watching, but then you see, Oh, he had, they were better when by a lot, like this might be the most influential player from a plus minus standpoint, as much as plus minus isn't like the, the be all end all of statistics. 
it just keeps on following him. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that's a little more of the P.J. Tucker of old. Like, he didn't quite never shoot like he never shoots now. But I would say that it's it's a – you know, you, you don't want to play 36 minutes a game, but it'll probably help you a lot playing 18 minutes a game. And Milwaukee is actually a really good comp because, you know, they had – Brook Lopez in Milwaukee, they have Zubac in LA. They can go to a center when they need, but when they want to go small and, and really open it up, th- those lineups are going to be awesome. They're going to be yeah. so fun to watch. Yeah. I it just PJ, like you said, he gives them the option. If they go big, Plumlee, Zubac, they're fine. They now can go small when it's yeah. necessary. And I, I don't think you want many Plumlee minutes in the playoffs. So also no. unlock no. that. You don't. You want Zubac and Tucker gives you again the option. So we talk about the matchups. Let's quickly go through. You talked a bit about as well with the Suns, how they'd match up against with uh, how they'd match up against the Clippers, but in particular the Nuggets. I see some difficulty on Denver's side in like you take the Clippers best five, the Nuggets best five. I can see some difficulties in the Nuggets navigating the defensive matchups. Like, obviously, Zubac is in there. That's easy against Jokic. Like, easy to say he's on Jokic. Not an easy matchup for Zubac, of course. But then, how do you manage Kawhi, PG, Harden? Because you want to get KCP, maybe. Maybe you want to get KCP on one of those guys. But then, is Michael Porter Jr. having to defend, like, a PG in some of those lineups? What would you think is the best way for the Denver Nuggets to navigate defensive matchups there? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Well, I think the number one question is is how dominant of a pick-and-roll ball handler Harden will be this year. Because I know I said they need to kind of take the ball out of his hands a little bit. Yeah. But against Denver specifically, if you can just spam the pick-and-roll against Jokic and he can't handle it, especially with the space, I think that's really – like, I can't – Jokic is a limited defender in that his pick-and-roll coverage, he can only defend so much space. And I don't think in that playoff run last year, he really quite faced a team that could spread him out like this Clippers team. But yeah, it's interesting because you just have a lot of guys in uh, Phoenix who, I mean, sorry, not in Phoenix, in uh, LA now that you really have, it's a hard matchup. But I would say Murray on Harden would be totally fine. Gordon's a great matchup for Kawhi. I actually think Kawhi, you know, Four Kawhi matchups, Gordon's a great matchup. And then, yeah, Paul George, they maybe don't have the perfect guy. But Paul George also isn't quite a guy who, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to pick this one guy out and quite go at him. But, yeah, I think I think that just kind of illustrates how many good offensive players um, the Clippers have. One thing that kind of popped into my mind when we were talking about that on the other side is, would the Clippers be willing to put Harden on Jokic for possessions, clearly the best way we saw to defend Jokic was put a kind of burly post defender on him who's not the center, have the center play on Gordon and just completely muck up the paint. Harden's a terrible defender in pretty much every respect other than post defense. He's strong. He's smart. He's got really good hands. I just thought of it now, so I can't say I really believe it, but it would matchup-wise, it would, it would make sense and it would open up a lot of stuff for that. I just question a bit of durability there. Yeah, I think for that'd sure. That'd be my concern, and I'd question foul trouble. I think they'd 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 pick on that matchup. I don't know. Sure. I get what you're saying, but I don't know if like Harden's doing 
like the the, the Hachimura job uh, of of last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, if you will. But but in terms of Hachi, Rui's a bit taller, but in terms of kind of archetype, they're they're similar. They're not nearly as tall as Jokic, but they're both burly and and hard to move and. You know, Harden's a pest down there. He's, he's like kind of like Lowry was, but obviously he's much taller than Lowry. And, and Harden's massive. He's a, a thick dude. So I kind of like the idea, but I'm, I'm not sure. And also Zubac, you know, he's not quite the archetype of like the high flyer shot blocker who really could, you know, give Jokic any trouble. That was kind of the only trouble we saw Jokic have was, you know, Rui on Jokic and, and Davis kind of flying around. But I think that's the best best idea is, of covering Jokic. We have this is a good point here uh from Jay Cullen. Wouldn't if you're the guy you're describing here is basically PJ Tucker. Would would PJ Tucker not just make sense unless But can you play PJ Tucker and Zubac I, together? I don't think so. So you so, okay, so you're okay, I understand. I, I, so I don't think, I don't think you can cover I don't think you can go small and cover Jokic without another big on the floor. So PJ Maybe they'll saying, try. PJ maybe they'll cannot try. play the 4. PJ has to be the 5 if he's playing yes. the Clippers. Okay. I agree. Maybe they go to that. It wouldn't shock me and, and go, you know what? PJ will fight in battle, but PJ would also foul out in about six minutes if he was covering Jokic with no center help. So I think they'll try a lot of things. Also, we'll see. Will that matchup even happen? But it, it, it would be interesting. Like, I don't right. think they're going to put Kawhi there. I don't think they're going to put PG there. My guess would be they'll just start Zubac on Jokic. But they have some looks as, as to interesting looks that they could give it to them. All right, let's move along to the Sixers side of things here. Tyrese Maxey, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, averaging over 30 points, over six assists, over six rebounds on 50% shooting from the field, 45% from twos, but 56% from three early season. This is not sustainable, but how sustainable is this? Like how... How good do you think Maxi is? And is it good enough that it makes the Sixers ser- somewhere in the serious conversation of going all the way? Yeah, so we talked about it on, I think, last episode. We talked, of yeah, we kind of, the, the question with Maxi is, is can he pass enough? And looking right now, I've got it on my screen, his assist percentage is definitely way up. And he still, his turnover percentage is unbelievable. 4.3% of possessions he's turning it over, which is better than last season with a 12% increase in um, assist percentage. So look, it's, it's been impressive so far. It's, it's hard to, he, he just always is getting better. I think first of all, you know, I, the classic framing of was Maxi pool and hero. We're all kind of the same archetype. Oh, I never uh, believe that. Mac, Maxi has graduated. Maxi has graduated. He is, he is very good. The question of how good is interesting, but the guy's an insane shooter. He's a crazy athlete. He's a little small, but you know, it was definitely a problem in Philly to have Maxi and Harden together because it's like Maxi's small, maybe not the best defender. You kind of can't play switch with Philly's lineup. You can't really switch with Embiid. Maxi's a bit small, but like now Harden's out of the there. He really does really does improve their defense. So yeah, Maxi, like he definitely a, a all-star threat. He, he's just been really good and, and kind of always improved. So the, I, I definitely am buying some improvement there for sure. 
All right, but with the question, Maxi, we love we love Max. I liked Maxi the the second he got drafted. I I thought it was a bit too low, and we're, we're seeing the strides taken. Well on its way to getting a rookie max contract, as if he wasn't already. But the Sixers can they can they hang? Can they hang in a series with Boston Milwaukee? Because it's I wouldn't like it's hard to call this team championship robust because nobody expects them to be able to compete with Boston Milwaukee. But the situation with Embiid is brewing. It's kind of championship robust for these Philly fans. Can Maxi help get them into that status to be somewhat of a threat? No, not against <laughs> not against Boston. I don't think so. Unless, unless there's an injury, like Philly. We've seen this Philly team. Like, does maybe do they have Zach Levine? But then maybe. But like, huh. I just we've seen this Philly team in the playoffs. We've seen them with Harden. I just kind of doubt that they're going to be so much improved that Hard, the, the loss of Harden is going to result in them being able to beat Boston, a team they've already lost to. Now Boston's way better. Boston is – this team's a juggernaut. So, you know, maybe maybe an Eastern Conference final. There is so much injury luck. It's so early. Right. But the idea that they're going to contend for a championship, especially – I don't think they can beat Denver. I don't think they can beat Phoenix. I still have the Clippers above them. Playoff equity, I still probably would take Golden State. I still probably take the Lakers. So yeah. – you know, unless Maxi's like really, really taking the step, I don't see it. But you know what? He's proven people wrong before. I, I feel like uh, you mentioned Levine. I started chuckling to myself because Levine is like the absolute like like anti money ball type of player. What what do you actually think Levine is worth? Do, like people recognize like if, if he had value, I think they would have traded. Now he has some value, but I think if he had genuine like star player value, he would already be gone. I think, I think a lot of you will be surprised uh, on Levine's maybe valuation only, but how do you feel about Levine? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm higher on Levine that, than maybe you are consensus. Like, okay. he's played for the Bulls. The Bulls brought in DeMar. He, he plays for probably the least innovative coach in the league. You know, those are maybe guys you want to take a shot on. I don't think he's very good defensively, but he's probably better than Harden. And, you know, if he goes to Philly and they say, shoot 10 threes a game, you're wide open. Everyone's double teaming Joel. We have Maxi and Levine. And then, you know, they could put together a good enough defense with Joel. That team would be pretty good. Look, I still wouldn't have them as a contender. But I, I, said, to, I said to someone recently, who's better – Harden or Levine, you know, I would say Harden people think is better, but I, playoff equity, Harden's I don't know. Harden's I don't I don't really think so. Like Harden's way harder to play with good players. Levine is would be much more willing to just play off ball and chuck. He's an insanely good shooter, but still can be really good with the ball in his hands and is at least more passable on D than Harden. I think maybe Harden's a better player in general, but if you're saying who would I rather on the Sixers team, Harden Sixers, sure. or or Levine, I'd probably say Levine. So if they could turn around and trade for him, they'd be way better. I don't know if they'd be good enough, but they'd be much That's better. If they'd be better, but you'd have to probably give a couple, at least a first, maybe. Although they, you know what? Granted, they just got picks from the Clippers. They can flip, and that's probably those picks are probably enough yeah. to get Levine. So. They really don't lose much and can still get him. I agree. It makes them better, 
Uh, I don't doesn't turn the screw uh, uh, that much in the Eastern Conference, and this kind of hit home. Uh, you can argue teams feel the same way about Siakam star equity. That 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 hit home right there. <laughs> big Pascal. No, Siakam, uh, Siakam is Siakam to me is kind of the opposite of Harden. Like you can fit Siakam on pretty much any team. He's fits pretty well, maybe somewhat limited shooting, but such a good defender, really good at kind of everything, was so good as a second option when the Raptors were actually good. So I don't know. I, I would put I would say Pascal's, you know, a bit over Levine uh, for sure. I'd have him. Yeah, a bit I bet I had him uh, I guess on Harden. It's just a, it's just such different players, it's hard, but like it's easier for me to envision Pascal in the closing lineup of a team that I really think can win a championship versus Harden, considering Harden's, you know, he's, his playoff, it's hard to not look at these playoff results as signal. Like, they've happened a lot. He's gotten much worse. He cannot really move side to side on D anymore. He wants to play switch. He, he just, is the juice worth the squeeze, you know? Like, there's just so many limitations of Harden. But I do think it's a pretty good fit in L.A., and, and they didn't have to give up that much. So, it makes I, sense I, both ways. The Harden stuff as well with the playoffs, it's not just the numbers like that are bad. It's the fact that he accepts, like he accepts it, like saying the ball didn't come my way, like as if he's not James freaking Harden. That one, it was the craziest one, but we got to move things along. We'll go to the Milwaukee Bucks, 29th in, in the NBA in defensive rating at 119. That is 0.3 better than it's the Pacers who are in 30th. Lillard says that uh, it's, they got to be patient. It's a work in progress. It's a new coach. It's a new team. And last night was the second time that they got blown out this season. And they could easily be one in three. They easily could have lost uh, their opening game to the 76ers. Where is it going wrong in Milwaukee right now? Well, Mike Budenholzer is a, a free agent coach right now. Uh, maybe they could pick him up. <laughs> um, <laughs> we mentioned the coaching last week. I don't know if you saw um, his quote last night, he thought Middleton's uh, minutes limit was up, and that's why he benched Brooke Lopez. Everything's being bad out of there. And and they start Giannis and Brooke Lopez. They are by far last in uh, efficiency at the rim on defense. Teams are shooting 80% at the rim on defense. And look, it's been four games, but, but there's a lot more signal – in rim defense than there is in, you know, if, if teams were shooting 45% again of, against them from three. So it's worrisome. It's weird. I'm not exactly sure what's happening. Giannis definitely took a big step back on D last year. I can't say I've watched that much Giannis this year, but in game one, I thought he looked terrible. I didn't think he looked very good last night. They got the bl- doors blown off them by Toronto and Atlanta. Those aren't exactly world beater teams, you know? So no, the, the worst just, off the, the worst offense in the NBA <laughs> completely destroyed them at the rim and from three all night. Yeah, so I, I don't I honestly am not I can't say I know for sure what's happening. I've definitely moved my prior slightly down on them. I took a lot on, on their win total under, obviously feeling pretty good about that. But <laughs> look, they have Giannis, they have Lillard. Lillard's really good, and I still think actually maybe a bit underrated how good Lillard is. So I think they'll be fine. I think they'll figure it out. But the coaching, I don't really, you know, Stotts got or left, you know, in training camp. 
they talked about getting this more aggressive D. It's just all being weird. And you should not be allowing 80% at the rim if you start Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Yeah, it, it the, the point of attack defense is hurting. That was definitely an area of concern yesterday. And the Raptors. Raptors just like the, the, right at the point of attack, just consistently were able to get past the first player. We're able to create just movement from the defense. We're able to create open shots. Hurdle had in the first half, in the first quarter, like four backdoor cuts where he was wide open at the rim. It, it's just like Pirtle just was just devouring these guys in the first quarter. Like he, every time he got the ball, he was open under the rim pretty much. Uh, Damian Lillard's defense is getting very, very much exposed over here. Um, I kind of like what Trent said about Gary Trent. When he first got traded to the Raptors, he said in the West, you just like guys just dribble and shoot. In the East, you actually have to play defense on a consistent basis. I don't know how true that is, but I think Dame is starting to kind of, he's got to kind of, fall into this a bit more and really has to take more of a workload defensively, but it has been strange. Do you think that Adrian Griffin has enough to, to right the ship here? Yeah. Well, I can't say I've seen many, many positive signs from, from Adrian Griffin so far, but again, Lopez, Giannis, Lillard, they should be able to figure it out. Hopefully they can ramp Middleton up a bit. The, the depth on this team is terrible. And the fact that Middleton's playing, I think like 16 minutes a night, that also exposed it. I saw a comment there. You need to be able to, you know, have some point of attack defense. I agree 100%, especially at the high levels. You need some point of attack defense, and, and that's going to be a problem with Willard. But typically, if you're playing two elite rim protectors, you know, even if you're point of like, – it's not like in Utah with Gobert, they had some point of attack defense studs, and it ended up getting exposed in the playoffs. But if you start two center-level – elite center level defensive players in Giannis and Brooke Lopez, you should be able to defend the rim better than the worst in the league. So yep. they'll be better than this. They'll figure it out. Look, Giannis had knee surgery in the off season. Middleton had knee surgery in the off season. They had it. They didn't play very much in the preseason. Middleton's playing 15 minutes a night. There's a lot of ramp up here. The fact that Boston looks as good is very scary for Milwaukee and it's hard you know, they're gonna, it's going to be a slog throughout the season. They're going to need to figure it out. Yeah, definitely. All right, enough on those. Let's get into some betting discussion here. Uh, Eric and chat mentioned yesterday that you had a Wizards play that <laughs> looks like there was a heroic fourth quarter cover by the Wizards. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe some more today. Uh, what do you think? Should we just go through game by game? You can talk about stuff that you have involved. For sure. Yeah, sadly, I was planning on giving... I'm really past posting here, but I was planning on on giving uh, Pistons money line, but Zion got ruled out, and that moved a lot. Oh yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't know what it um, was before, but yeah, Zion being out is definitely going to have uh, a big big effect on that one. Yeah, so I still don't hate it right now. Let me. I'm just checking the board. You know, if you can get close to the threes 2.9 i think my read on the situation is ingram's probably still out but it's questionable Duran is, is a true question well i think burks will probably be back but that's an interesting game um the pelicans flight they didn't get out of uh okc until 
I had to come on the show, but if it had left, it was in the last hour. They got stuck there. They couldn't get their flight out. Typically, I wouldn't imagine a player who's questionable with a knee. You know, they're not going to probably be able to get a shoot around in. So I think Ingram's questionable is is closer to a doubtful. And this Pelican's depth, you know, I just said Milwaukee's depth, but they now this would be Zion, Murphy, Alvarado, and Ingram all out. That they've got a lot of Dyson Daniels. You know, they're, Nance coming off an injury. I don't think he's been great. They still would have CJ and Val, but that team's really shallow. So that's a big injury game. But if you can get a, a you know, a 2.85 or a plus 185, however you want to put it, I think that's at pin right now. I don't hate it. Um, I also took some under here as well. Again, a lot of stuff's been moving. It's been a pretty heavy movement day. Um, 215 and a half, I definitely lean under again. Um, again, plane came in late. Both teams on a back-to-back. A lot of injuries. Zion really the engine of this offense. If Ingram's out, that'll move a lot down. And, you know, if one of Burks or Duran are out, probably also come down a little bit. All right. Interesting stuff on the Pistons there. Any other games that you have involvement with? Uh, I have a lot of involvement. The question is, can I in good faith, you know, give out numbers right now? I like the Sixers minus seven and a half, minus eight. They're good numbers. I'm I'm on minus eight there, flat. It's taken a lot of movement against me today. Yeah, I I was going to ask, I was going to follow up with that. What do you think is the the source of the movement here against, because this was, this was, this was nine this morning. I think it was eight and a half to nine this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So I played that eight, went to eight and a half, nine, has gone and played back. It could be, you know, the Raptors had an impressive win in Milwaukee last night, people coming off the priors a little bit. I did find the um, Toronto panic was maybe a little much early on, but early on in the season, teams have been really struggling when they're on the second half of a back-to-back and the other team is fresh. So I I think Denver is the only team that's won a game, uh, second half of back-to-back, where the other teams be fresh. Uh, Raptors lost to the Blazers when the Blazers were on a second night of back-to-back. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. That was... So was if you want to know why people were down in the Raptors, that's why. <laughs> yes, agreed. Agreed. I think the Raptors D is for real, but th- this price is just a bit short to me on the second half of back-to-back in Philly. I think the, the Raptors injury report came out and OG wasn't on there. Wouldn't shock me if he came on there. He's been having knee issues, knee swelling, which isn't really something that's going to go away quick. Um, but yeah, if you could get a good Sixers number, I would... Still probably take it, but you know the mark. Typically, if the market plays against me, it's not a line I'm super confident giving out. But yeah, that 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 Sixers spread is is one that I definitely lean. Let's uh, let's just talk uh, Orlando and Utah. So this was a weird one. Uh, this morning I saw Utah as uh, under. Uh, sorry, one point favorites here. It swung the other way. Obviously, it's marginal because it's the spread can't be zero so it swung the other way Orlando is favored now by by one point here where do you think this one goes why do you think we've seen the movement going towards Orlando here away from home yeah I took I took some Orlando plus one and a half last night so I agree with this movement um 
I just think Orlando's a bit of a better team than Utah is right now. Utah's guard play is really bad. Walker Kessler, I don't even really want to talk about. I, I think I might have cursed him. I don't know what happened. He, he's playing 20 minutes a night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has no defensive impact right now. I don't know. That, that, that future, uh, I'm starting to rip up. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Orlando is just, just a better team. They're, they also, you know, played L.A., L.A., now going to Utah. It's a tough place to play, but this is right around where I think it should be. I played Utah. I mean, sorry, I played Orlando. I played some under. It's, it's come down a little bit. If you can get that, that 121 and a half at pin, I think it is still probably a pretty solid line. The market's mostly painted uh, 221. You can get 221 and a half at a pretty good number there. So I'd yeah. play, I play the under a little bit. Again, we're talking pretty late in the day. Limits are pretty high. So it's, uh, it's hard for me to give out a number with a lot of confidence that it'll end up closing. But if you're getting off market, I like that, that Utah under. Uh, yeah, you can get 221.5 at Profit Exchange. I think we have the New Jersey lines up for just, just this profile here. Pinnacle is two, under 221.5 at minus 105. But there's uh, those are numbers out there for this one on the under. Another game that has seen movement today. I grabbed 7.5 from the Suns earlier today. This one is now widely at 8.5. There's a 9 at 365 points bet. There's 9.5s as well, Profit Exchange being one of those to have the nine and a half. Uh, what do you think is the source of this one, uh, especially after we're getting Suns money after the Spurs beat them the other day? Uh, that was a pretty miraculous Spurs money line on, on, on my end, but the Suns were up by 20 in that game. Well, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I, I have Suns under 228 and a half in that one. Uh, that last bucket made it 229, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't my favorite loss. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I think the, the, the movement's pretty obviously Bucker here. I think people think he's more likely to go than to not go. You know, that, that's going to be what decides where this line closes. Um, I think it's pr- – I'd probably go 55% Bucker in. He, he's a guy who really likes to go. He, he plays. When he can play, he plays. Unlike his uh, guard teammate who – when he has any chance of not playing, he doesn't play. Um, so, yeah, I took some over here. I'm at over uh, 225 and a half. You know, it's really it's really a read on Booker. If you think he goes, this the total will jump to probably 229. The spread will probably hit uh, 10. So, I think that's really question. Ankle, he's got an ankle. You can play – Generally pretty quick on a sprained ankle. It's it's one that guys who can tough through it typically will tough through it. They had that bad loss, a bit of weirdness around the team. I, I could see Booker going. So I think that's probably the source of the steam. And I think that that is um, really what's going to decide where this line closes, obviously. So if you could get it. They said he was targeting Tuesday, and then he didn't end up playing. And now it's Thursday. You know, you could look at that as signal either way. Did he not play Tuesday because he had a setback? Did he not play Tuesday because he's just not ready? Or did he just want to, you know, a couple extra days here? So I think he goes, but I, I don't say it with that much conviction. Right. Fair enough. Uh, anything tomorrow you're going to be looking for? Have you done any work on tomorrow yet? Feel fine if you haven't. Just wondering. 
Uh, I've looked at the lines. Um, really, only DK has it. Yeah, DK Caesars is out. Not nothing. They obviously did a pretty good job pricing. Um, I'll probably be playing a few things. Still need to get into my numbers a little more, but uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting board. Also, some some injury stuff. Uh, Shea got ruled out. Uh, I think Miami's fully healthy. I'll probably be looking if Gafford comes back. And then Brooklyn, who's playing for Brooklyn? You know, I, I still think Claxton, Dinwiddie, and Cam Johnson are still out. So we'll see about that line. Yeah, I, I wouldn't give out any line tomorrow confidently. Still need to kind of dig through a little bit. But first day of the play-in, I will give this out, actually. The in-season cool. tournament, you mean? Oh, did I say play-in? I yeah, say I do that a lot as well. Time. Um, Golden State to win Western Conference Group C at plus 200. You know, pretty pretty logical play. Fox, ankle, sounds like he's going to be out for a bit. Shea is out for tomorrow. That's just a huge swing. One game is a massive swing in this tournament. There's only, you know, four games, I think. Each team plays four games in their group. So, yeah. OKC is a legitimate challenger for them. So, if you can grab uh, Golden State plus 200 to win their group. Golden State's look great. Draymond's back. They won last night. Sacramento now, no Fox. He might be out next game. They definitely get OKC, no Shea. You know, if they win tomorrow, they're probably going to be favored to win the group by a pretty decent margin. So, yeah, give me Golden State plus 200 to win their group. All right. Interesting bet there. Anything from today that you want to, like, lock-in official tracking for the show or is there nothing you can really say with utmost confidence nothing i can give i haven't done any props today um so yeah that 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 golden state plus 200 is really the only one i can run and say bet this number any book in particular you see you could say specifically hanging that one i i think caesars and fanduel have the the plus 195 at fanduel is good it was plus 200 at caesars before I played it, I don't know if it's still that same number, but I'm seeing it on my screen at still that same number. So, yeah, that, okay. that's, that's what, what I'll get at. All right, great stuff. Well, there you have it for today. A uh, couple uh, – one more question here, just, uh, just responding to some of the comments here. But somebody asked – RW fan asked, name it recognized from my channel, what, what would the Raptors record need to be for them to start going to trade guys? When would they have to make the determination at the earliest? I, I, I generally don't think there's so, – so you're asking me, I don't think there's any record, good or bad, that should swing the fact that they need to trade some guys with three key players becoming free agents. Siakam, Anobi, and Gary Trent are on expiring contracts. So for me, no matter how good or bad you are, you should probably look to try and make a change unless you're outrageously high up in the East, which is very unlikely. I think that the, the floor – the, the, the spectrum goes a lot more towards the floor than it does the top of the East. So, geez, for them, like I don't even know how to answer this because they could be 500 and I'd say you should trade guys. They could be 10 games under 500 in January and I'd say you should trade guys. They could be 10 games above 500 so that you still might want to consider flipping somebody and just cashing in on the value while they're really high right now. Uh, any, any thoughts on the Raptors? Yeah, so I think this is one where you have to analyze you know what you think should happen versus what you think they're gonna do i'm a hundred percent with you they should have traded fred they should have traded kyle they should have traded og this summer 
They should have traded Pascal this summer. They should have traded all of that. Pascal, uh, I, Pascal, I pushed back because I think he'll, I think he'll re-sign, and I don't think that the Hawks' offer was good enough. Fair, fair. OG though, uh, I do not yeah. believe is going to stay. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm totally with you. So, look, they haven't really been super willing to trade um, anybody, anyone, anyone. They tra- they traded. Look, teams don't like getting embarrassed, and they have a top six protected pick out there, and. They're not going to be bad enough that they're going to feel confident that that pick's going to convey. So, you know, maybe they trade OG, but I think it's going to be in a while. And I, I don't even know if it's going to happen. So we'll, we'll see. I, don't, I definitely don't have like a record number, but I think if they're battling around 500, they're probably not going to trade anyone. OG definitely the one who's most likely, but yeah, we'll see. I would be very surprised if they traded Pascal midseason. I'd be surprised they traded. OG. I the most likely to me is Trent. They they like they get yeah, Trent, Trent. They get a one first for Trent, give him like a contender wants a bit of spacing scoring off the bench, even though he hasn't done either of those things this season for the Raptors off the bench. I think a contender maybe takes a flyer there. Or, yeah. or like a, do, like do you think Trent gets a first? Maybe a maybe a heavily protected. I don't I don't know if, if Jeez. his value is uh, quite there yet. Right now it's certainly not there, but I, I think yeah, you're getting a you're getting a bad first. Like you're getting a team. It, like I'm thinking a team that's like fifth in the West, who just needs a bit of a scoring boost, is the type of team that would trade for him. And that that's not going to be a great first. It's going to be like low twenties. I think I think he's good enough to. Oh geez, I don't know. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I'm honestly not a sure. Team trade like a twenty first overall pick for for half a season of Gary Trent. And then the opportunity to pay him, geez, I don't know. Maybe Dep- you're right. it depends on on how well he plays. Honestly, I'm really not sure. That's true. So I'll yeah. say, yeah, 500. If they're around 500, they'll probably think they can like go on a run, and they yeah. won't trade anybody. They were 500 they're, last year. They are under 500 and traded for Purdue. Yeah, so. about five games under. They they have to be near the near the basement, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I I don't think yeah. there's a reality where they really push for trades like this. That's, that's the situation in Toronto. It's it's uh. Grady, thoughts on Grady so far? Last thing we'll do. He's, uh, he's doing the right things, making the right plays. Just the shots aren't falling. Yeah, he played a bunch last night. I think that was the most he's played in a game. Um, the Raptors need him to be at least half decent with how little shooting they have and how little guard play. Malachi Flynn, uh, we got we to gotta do something about Malachi Flynn. But Grady, uh, he's been nothing to write home about, but – Nothing to be worried about either. Just kind of par for the course for the, what was he, 13th overall pick? Yes. So, yeah, right around right around what you'd expect. He is he is getting switched on a lot defensively. I, I don't think he's looked, like like Eric, you're saying it as well. I, I don't think he's not, like, he's holding his own. We don't we don't expect the world out of him defensively. He's getting, they're, they're trying to pick on him, but he hasn't looked like just a, a black hole out there. But yeah, he's also a, a skinny rookie guard, you know, so I, he's going to be, you know, far from a stopper to start. That, that wouldn't be – how his offensive game looks is, is really what I'm going to be looking at. Um, of course. I, I agree. Sure. Um, the one of eight from three, I think he was yesterday, not a good showing, but, uh, like, the decision-making is there. He's making the right choices. He's using his his threat really well. Like, like I always say, like, I don't really care – 
I, I care about efficiency, but I also care how much does the defense care about the player. So if you're going 31% oh from three, but nobody will defend you there, that's a lot less valuable than maybe somebody who's not scoring as efficiently in other spots, but at least they're going to go defend him and space the floor for other guys. So like they care sure. about Grady Dick. That's an important part. Yeah, he's got to get have have legitimate volume from three, be able to get them up, which I, I'm pretty confident he will. I agree. I uh, was high in him pre-draft, still am high on him, but uh, it's it's it'll take time, as it is for a lot of rookies. But that's enough from us today. We go live here every every Thursday, same day at two thirty p.m. Eastern time. But for more NBA coverage, myself and Pips NBA go live every weekday morning at eleven thirty a.m. Eastern time. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Drop a like if you guys did enjoy. And myself and Greg will be back next week. I'll be back tomorrow morning. We'll see you guys very soon.